listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joined with me once again remotely, it's Zishan. Yo. Alright man, I know a lot of y'all are wondering why are we back doing the podcast remotely. Uh, and the simple answer is COVID sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously the situation, the COVID situation in our area just got a lot worse uh, than it has been in recent times, and that involved our area going on a lockdown. And we decided that it's very difficult to meet up because with cops patrolling around everywhere, it's more likely than not that you're going to end up with a ticket just for leaving your house. Yeah, uh, we're not trying to pay a ten thousand dollar fine. Yeah, you know, we're not we're, we're not loaded at that point yet. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're good with that. Yeah, but we're still committed to bringing you guys content. So we're gonna be doing the podcast remotely, at least for the time being, at least until the situation in our area clears up a little bit. But on this episode, we have a lot to go over. There, were, if you've been living under a rock, you would have missed that there was a huge trade in the NBA, uh, and this trade involved. James Harden being sent over to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, you might be wondering why would we be doing an entire episode dedicated towards this one trade? Well, the simple answer is this is a trade that involves so many moving parts and it has an impact across the entire league. So we felt that it was best to break down this entire trade team by team and really give you guys our thoughts about it. Yeah, um, if you haven't already... Uh, make sure to check out my YouTube video that I put up. It was a short video. Um, and again, as I said in that video, it was kind of a video about, you know, not, not the structured type of episode that we have. Um, and I said that we would have a more dedicated episode to completely breaking down the James Harden deal. Um, but that video is just my quick thoughts and analysis from right when the deal happened. Um, so, you know, we'll see if uh, any of my thoughts change. And uh, what Hani has to input into, you know, the James Harden deal. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this trade. And, you know, it was like I wasn't able to obviously give my quick reaction. So Zishan was able to give you a bit of his his perspective when the trade went down. But for me personally, this trade took me by surprise. Now, obviously, I had an inclination or an expectation that James Harden was going to be moved or he was going to be traded. But I didn't expect it to be A, this soon, or B, involve this many moving pieces. So this trade... Uh, involves four teams, involves the Brooklyn Nets, Indiana Pacers, Houston Rockets, and, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there is just a lot of, of, of pieces moving around. So to start off with, you know, who, what players go where, the Brooklyn Nets obviously ended up with James Harden via, from the Houston Rockets and a second-round pick. The Houston Rockets, in exchange, were able to get Rodion's Kuroks, Karis LeVert, four first-round picks and four first-round pick swaps. But it doesn't end there for Houston. They were able to flip Karis LeVert and a second-round pick to the Indiana Pacers for Victor Oladipo. And in exchange, and also wrapped up into that deal from the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Jared Allen ended up in Cleveland and Dante Exum ended up in Houston and along with Torian Prince ending up in Cleveland as well. So... If you're not confused already, don't worry, we're going to break this down even further. Uh, starting off with the Brooklyn Nets, who quite honestly made the biggest splash of this season so far, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, we might as well just, uh, before we talk about each team, just like recap exactly what they got. Because there's, again, four teams, like a million pieces going around. Might as well recap it. So, yeah, Brooklyn got James Harden and a second-round pick. Yeah, um, as you were saying, too, the, like, the timing of this, I think, was very interesting because of the fact that you heard rumors of, you know, this potentially happening before the season. Um, and then it started to kind of die down, and it felt like maybe, you know, James Harden would end up staying for this season and then maybe get moved on to next season. Um, but then I think it all just went down when uh, that game they got blown out against the Lakers. You mean that press and, conference uh, where he trashed an yeah, entire team? Yeah, that press. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the press conference where uh, where he pretty much gave up and he was like, "Yo, I'm out." He publicly st- said much, it. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, and James, uh, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were not happy about Rightfully it. Rightfully so, might I add. Yeah. Like. Yeah, and I think uh, it just went down from there. It, Brooklyn, uh, I mean, Houston had to make a move right away. And uh, to be honest, it came out pretty decent. We'll talk about Houston side of things. But for now, uh, you know, let's talk about Brooklyn side. Yeah, so obviously the Brooklyn Nets, they clearly get the best player in this trade. You know, you 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 get James Harden, an MVP caliber player, uh, scoring like how, how I don't even know how many scoring titles he's won at this point in his career, um, but James Harden is is one of the best players in the world right now, um, and he, one of the greatest scorers one ever. One of the greatest scorers ever, and he's been doing this consistently, consistently for the past I don't know seven or eight years at the at, at best. Man, he's been just an amazing player, and you know, getting a guy like James Harden. Honestly, puts the Houston Rockets. I'm sorry, puts. See, I'm so used to saying James Harden and the Houston Rockets. It's just synonymous. Yeah. Uh, but puts the Brooklyn Nets now in in title contention. They're in the championship contention now. You know, just getting that now. You look at that. You have Kevin Durant. You have Kyrie Irving, and now James Harden. Like, you know, just saying those three names on for the same team is absolutely insane. Um, but you know, it it now it it's. I think personally, it's. Finals are bust for this team. You know, it, it's definitely going to be interesting because, you know, we'll need they'll you know you got to see how the dynamic works. And so far, we've seen a couple of games with James Harden and Kevin Durant, and James Harden and Kevin Durant seem to have some good synergy, which they obviously should, considering they're amazing players in the prime of their careers. So and they played together before. And they played together before. You know, the wild card, the one wild card has been Kyrie Irving, um, just because again. You know, Kyrie has been away from the team for a little bit of time, and now you're going to acclimate him, who's a pretty ball-dominant player in his own right, next to James Harden, who is also a ball-dominant player in his own right. So how are those two going to mesh together? I don't know. You know, I think a lot of the consensus opinion on this move was that it, it, this, Kevin Durant is not, not going to do anything to hurt this deal. You know, Kevin Durant, I think is the most unselfish out of those three. And I think, personally, I think if anyone's going to make uh, be the easiest to make it work with, it's Kevin Durant. But that being said, he's not the only player on this team. And I have another little... It's another criticism I have of Kevin Durant because obviously he was a major catalyst to make this trade happen. You know, there's no question about it that this trade wouldn't even wouldn't be a thing if Kevin Durant didn't say go get James Harden so for me it's back to the same cycle with Kevin Durant it's that you seriously cannot win without a super team like you you have to admit even without Kyrie Irving like that team in Brooklyn was still good enough at least in my opinion with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to make it at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, let's be real. Now, would it be easier to do it with James Harden? Absolutely. You know, you basically sealed the Eastern Conference because of the fact that now you have three of the best players in the league and nobody in the East can compete. Like, I think a lot of people are forgetting one thing. You know, Giannis signed his Supermax extension. Right, the whole reason why he signed it was because he thought, okay, the East is competitive. I have a good team. I have a chance to make it to the NBA Finals. Well, I don't think that's happening anytime soon for Giannis anymore, and at least not with this team. Like Giannis is great, but his Bucks team is nowhere near as good as his Brooklyn team with those three guys. So yeah, speaking of uh, of Giannis too, um, it's it it has to hurt Milwaukee given how much they pursued Drew Holiday and gave up for Drew Holiday. Yeah, they and you know everything that they did. They built for for, to, a for this run. to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um them Boston, Brooklyn, I mean not Brooklyn, Philadelphia. It's got to hurt those teams the most. But um going back to your point about integrating Kyrie. I think the one interesting thing about this move is the fact that it's going to be either probably KD or Kyrie, I would say likely KD, um, one of them are going to have to pretty much take on the Karis LeVert role. Now, what I mean by that is we all know that big threes cannot function as big threes per se. It has to be two guys that lead the charge, and then one guy has to take a step back, right? Chris Bosh, Clay Thompson, or 
I guess Draymond Green. Um, you know, so one guy usually has to take a step back, Ray Allen, for example, in Boston. What's interesting to me is the fact that you already had a guy that didn't feel the need to be a superstar. He had no ego about being a superstar, and he could fill that third void for you in Kyrie Silver, who could, you know, he could put up 18 points a game. Now with KD or Kyrie, that's essentially what you're going to ask them to do because it's not realistic for all three guys to be able to average 25 points. It's just not going to happen. Not at um, all. So it's, yeah, it's not, it's interesting that they gave up Kyrie Silver, a guy who, they didn't have to try to keep happy, and he could play as a role as that third guy on a big three, per se. And now you're going to get, you know, KD, I mean, sorry, James Harden to add to that big three. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me how that works. And, uh, you know, from Brooklyn's perspective, you have to do it. You know, when you're offered the chance to take a generational type of score like James Harden, you can't say no to that. Do you? But Do you really have to do it? Because once again, Brooklyn has given up a lot. And we'll get on to what they actually gave up. But that's a lot of draft capital and young talent that they had to give up for James Harden. And again, I'm going to, like, I mean, at least for me personally, it's finals or bust for this Brooklyn team this year. Like, I don't care if they just got together. I don't care if this is their first year playing. You're going to tell me that you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. And if you can't make... And you did this trade to make it to the finals, right? If you can't make it to the NBA finals this year, I don't think this is going to work. I, I think, like, especially when you consider how much money these guys make. Like, you're talking, you're talking about, like... What's what's the math? Rough math. One hundred and twenty million dollars. Almost like almost about a hundred, hundred and ten million dollars between the three players. Like Kyrie yeah. makes about thirty-five. Kevin Durant makes about forty. James Harden makes about forty. So you, if you kind of do the math, you're almost up there. So one hundred and ten million dollars is just get slotted for these three guys. Yeah, to your point, um, I think I'm gonna have to disagree with you there because of the fact that they do have James Harden for next year, right? So even if this is, I guess, finals, or it, it will set a bad precedent for them. It's not going to look good for them at what all. What happened to the Clippers? They technically do have... Yeah, but the Clippers, again, they have one more chance this year. Um, but again, Kyrie, uh, they do have one more year with James Harden as well. And not to mention the fact that KD and Kyrie have both said that they want to retire at around 35. So, hey, they might just be on their way out already. You know, you never know. Um, but I think... Also, another point um, in terms of this team specifically is the fact that offense was never their problem, right? They were already a top five rated offensive team in the league. Their problem was defense. And you just shipped out your most integral portion or integral, you know, part of your defense in Jared Allen. He was low-key kind of single-handedly carrying that defense. And even then, they were still a average defensive team, you know, when... Um, when I talked about the James Harden deal, when that went down, they were the 12th ranked defensive team. So they're still, they're already average on that side of the ball. Now without Jared Allen, uh, they've dropped all the way down to the 19th spot, right? So you're already seeing the slippage there. So the problem for them is what's going to happen um, if they can't make a trade or if they can't pull another deal off. Because of the fact that now you have one center in DeAndre Jordan only on your team. And your defense is very suspect, right? You're going to have to outscore opponents in that case. And we all know in the playoffs what happens. The score tightens, the games tighten, it becomes a defensive battle. So you're going to be hard-pressed to win like that. Speaking of what you just mentioned about the, you know, outscoring your opponents. The last couple of Brooklyn games have actually been close games. Like... Uh, against the recent one, most recent one against Milwaukee, it took a took a a shot by Kevin Durant to win that game, you know, because it was close. James Harden bricked the bricked a wide open look. By the way, if you rewatch that highlight, he bricked the wide open look, and Kevin Durant happened to get the offensive rebound, and and oh, uh, I think no, James, James Harden, Harden got the offensive rebound. rebound and found an open Kevin Durant for three. So, but either way, the fact of the matter is that. You sh the game shouldn't have been that close, but again, the the, the Brooklyn defense isn't good. Like it, it is, it's it's average to below average at best. And sure, it's now become a more offensive league, but defense still wins championships. I and mean, we've said it a, a bunch of times on this show. You can't 
you know, you know, replace a uh, a defense, a good defensive effort. Because you can look look at Washington. We just talked about them in the last episode. Definitely check it out if you haven't done so already. But you can be the fourth, top five best offense in the league. But if you're giving up the same amount of points on the other end, you're not going to win ball games. It's just how it works. And I think, yeah, I think going back to even um, that was our main criticism for when the Houston Rockets were contending for a championship, right? After that first year where they were, what, top five defense. After that, their defense fell dramatically. And that's what we said. We, we said you're not going to be able to contend for a championship if you're a bottom def- bottom tier defensive team. Yeah, and uh, so overall, man, Brooklyn, they definitely got the best player in this deal, but they definitely have a lot more expectations now that have come with it. And we'll see what happens with, with this, but it's obviously a huge deal for, for the Brooklyn Nets to make this type of move. But speaking of of James Harden's former team, we got to bring up what the Houston Rockets got in return. Now, obviously, they the Rockets felt like they had to trade James Harden. Like, after that Lakers game, after that press conference where James Harden completely just trashed his, his old team, which, personally, I disagree with. I think, you know, I think if James would even have stayed and meshed with this Rockets team, they had they had potential. You know, John Wall was looking good. Eric Gordon was playing very well at that point in time. Um, Christian Wood was, was establishing himself as a, as, a, as a very good big, who, who's a great compliment for James Harden. Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins is finding his footing. So the Rockets were definitely, you know, on the uptrend. Now, obviously, the wins weren't coming, but they were also on a tough portion of their schedule. You know, I, to be honest with you, I didn't expect them to beat the Lakers. I did, you know, that was that, no. that's a tough matchup for them. But the fact that you're going to trash your team like that on the way out, that that's a bad look, in my opinion. But lucky for Houston, they got a lot of pieces back. And I think... For me personally, the, the the first big one that I really like out of this trade, Victor Oladipo. And if you've heard from from me for the last few episodes, I have been clamoring for someone, but mostly the Raptors, to trade for Victor <laughs> yeah. Oladipo. Because to me, he's on an expiring deal. And to me, he hasn't shown an interest or a desire to stay with the Indiana Pacers, especially what we saw uh, last offseason and just heading into the bubble. Just that whole, like, will he play, won't he play, and his whole dispute with the whole with the, with the Pacers organization. Uh, I just felt like that was just a fractured relationship at that point in time. So I didn't really expect him to stay. But the fact that Houston was able to acquire him in this trade as well, I thought was an, was an amazing move. By the way, he just dropped 32 in his debut. Um, the Houston Rockets also got Dante Exum. Nobody really cares. Rodion Kurooks, again, nobody really cares. But they got four first-round picks from the Brooklyn Nets and four first-round pick swaps. I think one of the picks was from uh, Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, four first-round picks and four pick swaps is absolutely insane. You know, they... They got a haul for James Harden. Now, maybe they didn't get it in players and personnel, but what they got it is in draft capital, which for a team like in Houston's position, you gave up all your draft capital to acquire Chris Paul. So you didn't, you know, your draft capital was already low to begin with. So the fact that you were able to replenish those and get a guy like Oladipo on top of that, it puts you, it gives you two things. Number one, it allows you to still remain competitive because obviously you still have John Wall's contract out there. So if you're paying that much money to a player, you might as well still remain competitive. But second of all, you now have the assets and the cap space now moving James Harden to make moves, to improve the roster, to improve the overall depth. So I think this was a this was a pretty good package for them because now they have a pretty nice core of John Wall, Victor Oladipo, and Christian Wood for the future. Yeah, um, they definitely got a, I think, as good of a deal as you're going to get. Well, Philly was um, offering offering up Ben Simmons, rumor, like the rumors were there, but yeah. I'll let you touch upon the Ben Simmons stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, um in our up and under segment, but I think Houston got as good of a haul as you're going to be able to get, to be honest, um, given that whole situation. Um, they got a good young player in Victor Oladipo who's looking more like his old self this year in Indiana. Um, not to mention the fact that he is coming off the books this year. So you have some flexibility as to what you want to do with him. Now, if he decides to leave, 
now you have you know some more cap space as you're talking about with the you know Daryl Morey just killing their cap space and draft capital right now you have a bit more flexibility they have stated that they want to re-sign Victor Oladipo um so either way you know you've got a good player for him I will throw a monkey wrench in this uh in this analysis from the perspective of you got first uh, four first round picks of it the thing is how valuable are those picks going to be right because of the fact that a majority of them came from Brooklyn. Now, we don't expect Brooklyn to be a bad team anytime soon. So, we don't expect their draft picks to be very good. I think the other, you know, whatever the other pick came from, it came from either Cleveland or Indiana, right? So, those picks are not going to be that high. Not to mention the fact that even if they were high with the new draft lottery system, there's no guarantees with anything in the draft, right? So, I think, you know, Houston would have wanted that draft capital over, I think, whatever Philly was paying up. But, you know, the the crux of the situation is that you can never replace a player like James Harden, unfortunately, if you're Houston Rockets. Yeah, and I don't think the Houston Rockets are expecting to replace James Harden from the draft. And I think based on your point on the picks, that's the very true point. These aren't going to be high draft picks. But what they will be able to do is be assets and potential future trades that the Rockets can make. And the biggest, again, I don't think the Rockets lack star power. That's why getting Oladipo was such a key element because, again, we're seeing John Wall looking more like his old self. Actually, a little bit better because the three-point shot's looking a lot better than it did before. And he's taking it with a lot more confidence. You got a guy like Christian Wood on a very nice discount. Like, shout out Christian Wood. Like, shout out Christian Wood, man. He's, he's, it's him or Chris Boucher for our, MI, for our MIP pick at this point in time. But, yep. you know... You got it. You got a guy like that locked into con- under contract. You can re-sign Victor Oladipo in this off season, so you have a core group of players. All you really need to do is shore up the depth around them, you know. And again, it it might involve moving out aging pieces like like a PJ Tucker who might want to be in a more immediate contending situation, or maybe see what the market is for an Eric Gordon. But either way, if you can shore up your bench and get more depth on this team, this can be a very competitive team in the Western Conference. So, sure, these picks might not be valuable, but if you package, let's say, a first-rounder with P.J. Tucker and maybe ship him off to Minnesota, you might be able to get a guy like a Josh Okoji or a, a role player of that caliber, you know? It, it's kind of... It, it's it's a lot more future planning, and I think it's a lot more foresight than I think Houston the Houston has had in quite some time because a lot of their moves have been let's win right now right now but I think they were trying to build for something that hey we want to build something that will grow and be something for us down the line yeah speaking to your point about how Daryl Murray always wanted to win now I think that's the you know sad part of the situation for the Houston Rockets is the fact that you know they gave into whatever James Harden wanted Right from, you know, they got, they sacrificed to get Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard and James Harden didn't mesh, right? Then they killed their assets to get Chris Paul. Chris Paul and James Harden worked for a year, a year and a half, and then they couldn't mesh. Then they got James Harden's, one of James Harden's close friends and Russell Westbrook killed, you know, the team for him. And that completely blew up in their faces. So I think if you're a Houston fan, I wouldn't blame you for being pretty salty about how this whole situation unfolded because of the fact that, you know, your franchise literally gave up so much for James Harden, and this is the way it played out. Yeah, but at least one thing they can hang their hats on, that at least the current regime is doing a lot better of a job to look for the future and hopefully, uh, you know, build a a competitive team. Well, let me add on to that too. Um... Where, you know, this current, this new uh, regime with Raphael Stone and Steven Silas as the head coach, they seem pretty good, um, I think, in at least in their initial stages. But um, the one, I think, wild card for this team is their owner, Tillman Fertitta, who a lot of NBA people just have not cheap. had nice... Just Yeah, he's cheap. Just say he's cheap. Um, he, he's cheap. A lot of NBA people players have not had nice things to say about him um that was apparently one of the biggest uh, issues in the James Harden situation where he really did not like Tillman Fertitta um at all after he bought the team from Leslie Alexander 
right? So that was apparently one of the big reasons as to why James Harden fell out of favor with the uh, Houston Rockets. So we'll see from that perspective of you know, what Tillman Fertitta means to this team because we've seen great teams, unfortunately, just get tanked by the owner. First one off the top of my head is the 2000s Phoenix Suns who didn't want to re-sign Joe Johnson and you saw what happened, right? They had a championship contender on that team. They'd re-sign Joe Johnson knowing what he became in Atlanta as a bona fide scorer and one of, you know, the top 20 players in the NBA, right? Imagine having Joe Johnson alongside Amari, uh, Sean Marion, Boris Steele, Steve Nash. You know, that was a crazy, crazy team. That's a Steve Nash guy. Just that just hurts, man. Because yeah. I wanted to see Nash win a ring, but, you know, one mm-hmm. of these. And they, they just could never, you know, get over the hump and then slowly, you know, moves like that just kill their team. And then we saw Amari leave afterwards, right? Sean Marion leave. Um, well, I think Sean Marion was traded in the Shaq deal. Uh, another bad deal. But, you know, ownership plays a factor into this and played a factor into the James Harden deal. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that we've seen the front office do a good job so far, we'll have to see how the ownership impacts this team moving forward, I think. Yeah. But overall, man, the Houston Rockets, they definitely got a haul for James Harden, you know, and we'll see what happens with them moving forward. Moving us on to another team. I think this was a pretty wild card team to see them in in the James Harden trade. It was the Indiana Pacers. They actually made a pretty under-the-radar move that is probably, it's pretty genius in my opinion. So out out of this whole trade, the Indiana Pacers came out with Karis LeVert and a second round pick. And honestly speaking, I thought this was a very smart move, man. You know, the Pacers, so like I already mentioned with Oladipo, I didn't think he was sticking around in Indiana. I just thought... No, that, he definitely wasn't. Like, the in, all signs and indications were pointing towards it, that he was going to leave in free agency. So the Pacers were in a situation where, you know what, we should move him, get something for him rather than let him walk for nothing. And I think what they got for him, you know, now you get a young player... In Karis LeVert, who is on the on the rise, might I add, like he's he's getting better. Like he's a very young player, and he's signed under contract for the next three seasons. So now you don't have to worry about re-signing him and all that stuff. He's under team control, and actually, his, I looked at his contract; it's pretty team friendly. I think it's about roughly what almost what Oladipo was making, so which wasn't bad at all. It's twenty one million. I think it was twenty twenty one million dollars per year, which is relatively affordable in today's NBA. Um, and honestly speaking. Lavert is the type of player who can grow alongside Demontis Sabonis. You know, he's not a great fit right now, but he has that potential to be a better offensive player. And I think being in a system like Indiana, in a more structured environment in Indiana, given more opportunities by new head coach Nate Bjorkren, you know, it's a pretty good move for them. You know, especially because you're you. It's better than losing a player like Oladipo for nothing, and he will replace him with a pretty good player. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I was going to say, too. Like, you shipped off a guy who clearly did not want to be there. You shipped off an expiring contract who you were going to lose for nothing, and you got a great young player in return. You know, we saw what he did, um, especially in the playoffs last season, especially as a Raptors fan. You know, he was a beast. Not, Not only... Was he a capable scorer, but he really um, grew into his own as a facilitator and as a playmaker. Um, to your point about him obviously not being a great or a, a worse fit right now than Victor Oladipo, you know, you're just going to have to take the bumps in the road that comes along with this deal. Um, I expect Indiana to get worse. Uh, I mean, I didn't think they would be, a, you know, top three, top four seed, whatever they are right now. Um, but I do expect them to get worse. Obviously, Victor Oladipo, I think, was a much more natural fit alongside a playmaker like DeMontis Bonus with Victor Oladipo's, you know, cutting ability, um, his quickness, his off-the-ball uh, But LeVert ability. can do some of that stuff, too. I think he's LeVert's become a better, a much better shooter off the catch, I think. You know, he can develop those 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 habits for cutting. I think a lot of that is schematic things that, that you can work on. Um, yeah. So, again... Maybe the immediate fit isn't def- isn't there, but I think the potential of growth is um is for sure there because again you you gotta understand that's that's an incredibly young player 
that you're uh, you're bringing in. So yeah, yeah as you were saying, yeah, as you were saying too, like the potential for him on the offensive end as a individual score, I think is even higher than Victor Oladipo. Um, because of the fact that Victor Oladipo is more of a off-the-ball kind of player, and he grew into his own as his own individual score, right? He, you know, he he started off his career as getting points assisted from off of him. You know, he was getting the ball from other players and getting points that way, um, and he really grew into his own in OKC and then in Indiana, right? So I think Kyrie Silver already he's shown flashes of him being able to carry the offensive load as a isolation uh, score. So hopefully, you know, he has more potential in that regard on uh, rather than Victor Oladipo. I think the one negative point of the Kersilver versus Victor Oladipo comparison is the defense, right? Victor Oladipo is a much superior defender. Um, and, you know, not to say never, but based on how Kersilver is and, you know, just how his build is, I don't think he's ever going to reach Victor Oladipo's level defensively because of the fact that Victor Oladipo, um, you know, all first-team All-NBA defender, Kare Silver is not that guy, unfortunately. But, you know, if he can be at least decent on the defensive end and with Nate Bjorkman's system, um, the, the team defense that they have with Miles Turner protecting the rim, you know, you, it's, it's trade-offs, right, between Kare Silver and Victor Oladipo. And, uh, you know, give Kare Silver some time and you'll be able to see what he can do on the offensive end to overshadow his, you know, whatever defensive deficiencies he has compared to Victor Oladipo. And once again, it really just comes back to getting something rather than nothing for a player like Victor Oladipo. And again, the something that you're getting is some is something that you can build with and something you can grow and develop in, while you still have him under contract for the next three years. So... Overall, I think this was a very smart, very under-the-radar move for the, by the Indiana Pacers. Uh, which brings us to the final team in this trade, who honestly didn't do much except, you know, give some cap relief to this trade and allow some some pieces to maneuver a little bit easier. And it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They obviously were able to get Jared Allen and Torian Prince out of the Brooklyn Nets. And honestly, man, they got Jared Allen for a steal of a price. I mean, all you had to really give up was Dante Exum in a second-round pick. Uh, for Jared Allen, man, that's that's a steal, man. Yeah, man. Like, I know initially, even initially, even for me, I was like, eh, Cleveland throwing team to make the salaries work, whatever. But from Cleveland's point of view, this was a very, very savvy move. This was a really good move because of the fact that you essentially gave up nothing. Um, you were a throwing team in this huge trade. You're going under the radar. But now you have your franchise center. And as I was talking about um, in the beginning of the episode, Jared Allen was pretty much single-handedly carrying that Brooklyn defense. He is a, you know, he's molding himself into a defensive player of the year candidate year by year. So now now that you've got your future young center in Jared Allen, you can help him grow alongside your backcourt of Darius Garland and uh, Colin Sexton. And then obviously you have another young guy in in Isaac Okoro. So the fact that they were able to just give up Dante Exum, who barely plays anyways, um, again, not really his fault, unfortunately, just injuries killed his career. But the fact that you were able to give up Dante Exum in a second-round pick to get a franchise cornerstone like Jared Allen was a very good move by Kobe Kobe Altman. And, um, you know, now you have some more flexibility as to what to do with, you know, JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond. Yeah, I I personally think I mean it's gonna be very hard to move the Drummond contract. That thing's massive, but I think moving Javale McGee, a contender might be able to scoop him up. I mean, Raptors. the Raptors might be able to scoop him up as well. Um, yeah, and again, um, uh, let me yeah yeah go ahead. Uh, yeah, let me just add in one more point about this deal too. As a Raptors fan, this kind of pissed me off because of the fact that I was like, yo. Cleveland literally gave up Dante Exum in a second-round pick to get Jared Allen. We, as Raptors fans, we clearly need a center. Um, and we talked about the Raptors and their issues in our previous episode, too. So make sure to check out that episode. But yeah, as Raptors fans, we clearly need a center. And, you know, for the Raptors to not be able to get a center like Jared Allen when 
all Cleveland did was give up Dante Exum and a second-round pick kind of hurts. The issue, I think, with this move, especially from the Raptors' point of view, is the fact that Jared Allen is going to be a restricted free agent, and he's going to command a decent-sized deal. So, but we have you know, cap space. Pro- yeah, but you want to sacrifice that cap space for Jared Allen? Like, he's a great player. Don't don't get me wrong. But I just want a big who can be productive, man. Is that know. really so hard to ask for? <laughs> like, oh. So we lost out on Oladipo, <laughs> and we lost now out on Jared Allen. Man, it's true. And, and the yeah. East got better. And the East got better, man. Like, mm-hmm. ah, man. So I mean, it's not a good year for Raptors. It is not a good year for us, man. It's it it just sucks, man. This whole year is just this whole season's weird, by the way. Um, good teams are just losing to bad teams left, right, and center, man. Who like I don't even know who wins anything anymore. Um, but yeah, man. Overall, it was a pretty under the radar but decent move by the Cleveland Cavaliers to jump into this trade and actually get get a quality asset out of this without having to give up much of anything. Um, so yeah, th- those were the four teams involved with the James Harden trade. Obviously, we did touch upon the league impl- implications with the Brooklyn Nets putting themselves in title contention, now being the favorite out- to come out of the Eastern Conference, and how that impacts the other teams in the East. Um, I still think right now I'm leaning. I'm still on on board with the Lakers being my championship favorites. I just think chemistry and cohesion cohesiveness is something that. Should never be un- overlooked, especially after last year's Clippers have shown us that. <laughs> so yeah. I think what the Lakers have is a lot more of a team rather than what Brooklyn has a coll- is a collection of talent. But we'll see what happens, obviously. I think this was obviously a huge trade for the NBA. But I think one thing I want to touch upon before we move on to the up and under segment is this whole notion of superstar players, you know, asking out and cre- informing these super teams. You know, f- exactly. for me personally, I am just starting to hate this aspect of the, of the NBA. I just feel like it's so diminishing for the 30, sorry, the 28, 29 other franchises who aren't able to benefit off of this. You know, it doesn't matter if you have one all-star or two all-stars. You should be able to compete each and every night in the NBA. There should be competition. And I think before the James Harden trade, there was. The East is was very, very competitive. Like, you had the Celtics, you had the Bucks, the Sixers, the Pacers were looking good. You know, and teams, even teams under the radar were coming out of nowhere and winning some games. Like, Charlotte was a very feisty team. The Raptors should know over the last few times they played them. You know, the Bulls at, at, at times have looked very good. So, again, there was, a, there was competition in the conference. But I think a trade like this just killed all the momentum and it was all because yep. two guys like these three players James Harden Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving I mean more so Kevin Durant and James Harden they didn't want to work for that championship and you can you can call me a hater on Kevin Durant and all that but the reality is he ha- he still had an opportunity to win a championship with his current book with the before with his previous Brooklyn Nets team he didn't need to make this trade he just wanted it to happen yeah, unfortunately, uh, like, parity lasted, like, one season in the NBA. Yeah, like... COVID killed parity, too. Prim- <laughs> Facts. Um, pretty much, like, yeah, it was competitive for, like, one season. And now it's back to, you know, trios. Obviously, the flip side of that argument is the fact that, you know, player, you know, obviously, we, we do support, you know, player freedom, you know. You, you don't want to be stuck in a situation where a you don't degree. want to go to work. Exactly. Um, and obviously, you know, the flip side of the argument is the fact that, you know, teams can do this for players. Why can't players do this for themselves? You know, we agree with that to, to some degree. But the precedent, I think, in the NBA has is not trending in the right direction. I think it's going to be something that they see in the next CBA uh, deal they're going to have to address. It's not looking great, you know. You you talk about the Kawhi Leonard situation, the Anthony Davis situation, where it, like Paul George, for example, it's not a good um, track that the NBA is going on, especially from the fans' point of view. And I think a lot of fans are starting to pick up on that as well. Um, and again, the NBA is a business at the end of the day, 
and you know your number one priority is to keep consumers happy right and if consumers are feeling like the the product is just being diluted uh then you know you're not gonna have a happy fan base and a happy bunch of you know customers yeah i mean it really just comes back to the whole stigma of the league has changed a lot in the sense that where a superstar is like hey i'm not happy here I'm gonna force my way out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go join these guys, these other superstars, because they're my friends, and we we want to work together to win a championship. Like from the, I can understand it from their point of view, where as a player, you know, I'd rather play with my friends, but at the same time, I gotta look at it from the organization and the fans' perspective. Where from the organizational perspective, it's like, look, man, we drafted you, or we acquired you. We are, we gave you the the opportunity to grow yourself into who you are, but now you just want to up and leave just because, you know, you you personally aren't aren't as capable as the other other guys to win titles on your own. It, it's the reality of the uh, of what these guys are trying to do. You know, they want championships, but the only way they can win them is by joining forces with these teams. And I think this looks particularly bad on Kevin Durant because it's like, do you seriously? Could think you couldn't beat LeBron with your current with your Brooklyn team, like that. That's the whole reason. The whole reason that big that Warrior team existed was to beat LeBron. And again, I don't absolve LeBron James for the Super Team era because I think he started it a lot of what he did in Miami. But I can still say what he did is still far less impactful as what Kevin Durant did. Because at this, you can still look back and say that Miami team was nothing without with, what, before LeBron got there and LeBron made it into something. Kevin Durant joined something that was pre-established and that started that notion of, oh, hey, that's, that's, that's a good team. Let me go join them. Not to mention the fact that in the LeBron situation, like, bro, look at what he was dealing with, with in Cleveland, right? That was an example of, I guess, I don't blame the player for wanting to leave. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people had a problem with him, you know, creating the team that he did. Uh, and now I'm a, I am a LeBron fan, but I do understand that point of view of where a lot of people had a problem with what he did in Miami. But in terms of him and his previous situation, you know, the, the situation in Cleveland was terrible, right? So you can't, I don't really blame him for leaving. But yeah, to your point about the Kevin Durant situation, listen, bro, they were one, they were what, like, they were one game away from a finals berth in 2016, right? And uh, they choked it. Him and Russell Westbrook choked yeah. it. You can't blame he, anybody but yourself. He wasn't good enough. And mm-hmm. it it doesn't excuse pulling off a weak move like that. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to touch upon that because that's sort of the kind of trend the league is going into moving forward. But that was our thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets, on the on the, the James Harden trade to Brooklyn. Definitely let us know what you guys think. Do you think the, this trade is it was a success for all these teams? Do you think it's a bust? Definitely let us know uh, what do you guys think on this trade. But moving on into the up and under segment for this week, because we do have a few a few news items to hit. First off, are you up or under on Ben Simmons and Matisse Tybo basically being told by the Sixers to... Pack your bags because you're being you're ready to be traded for James Harden. Um, I guess I'm um under on the 76ers point of view because of the fact that I look from the 76ers point of view they could have had a guy in James Harden who probably would have fit much better with Joel Embiid. Now obviously Ben Simmons has established himself as top ten, top fifteen defender in the league, right? So you know James Harden obviously is not going to replace that. But you already have a defensive player that you're a candidate in Joel Embiid. And James Harden with his shooting and playmaking um, would have probably been a better fit alongside Joel Embiid. And now this kind of creates a bit of an awkward situation for you moving forward with Ben Simmons. Considering the fact that, you know, he is under contract for a bit of time, obviously. Um, But considering the fact that, you know, Ben Simmons, and I think to your point, you've talked about this quite a bit too. He's kind of the same player as he was in his rookie season. Like, you're seeing this year, even his numbers have declined across the board. Um, though Philadelphia, together with him and uh, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, have been playing better. Uh, ben Simmons himself has kind of stagnated. And he has not really gone that much uh, that much better across in, in his career. 
So I think this also creates an awkward kind of situation for you moving forward with Ben Simmons. Um, and I think I think this may be a situation worth watching for the future. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm going to be open and honest with you. I've been selling, saying it all along that I think Ben Simmons should be traded. I think he's just not a great fit next to Joel Embiid. Now, obviously, they found ways to make it work. From what you know, with what they got, and I think Doc Rivers has done a better job than what um, Brett Brown was doing with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it still doesn't change the fact that these two guys play, want to do similar things, want to have the ball in their hands, and they want to get to the rim. But it doesn't always like it just doesn't fit. And I think now telling basically telling Ben Simmons that we were going to trade you is not a great look, especially for a young star on your team. And I get it. He's not. He hasn't been growing, and I. That's my biggest criticism with Ben Simmons, is that this guy isn't growing. But you can't deny that he's still a talented player. But if I'm the Sixers, I'd still look to move him just simply because a team will be able to give you a lot for Ben Simmons. And I think um, being able to pair Joel and be with a more traditional style guard is going to be more beneficial for your team in the long run. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're gonna have to see what happens, but that's an interesting one. Yeah. Next up, are you up or under on Kyrie Irving and uh, his situation, his absence from the Brooklyn Nets? Um, and apparently he said he just needed some time away. Um, and he was with friends and family. I'm I'm under on this. Like, look, I know a lot of people are gonna be sympathetic with Kyrie's response, and I think the way he delivered it was obviously meant to be taken that way. And I don't bl- I don't, you know, I don't think he's lying in the sense that he had some personal things going on with him. My only question is, why couldn't you just tell the Brooklyn Nets that? Why couldn't you just say, hey, I need these I need these few games off. I, 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 I'm not feeling it right now. Give me some time away. I think because then they would have been able to broadcast that to the media. Then they'd be able to protect your reputation a little bit better. But now because you kept quiet and you didn't tell anyone what you're doing, you put yourself in a situation where you you completely trashed your reputation. Now, a lot of people were like, oh, this guy doesn't care anymore. There were talks about maybe Kyrie should retire if basketball's not his focus. And, you know, just the way he handled it, like, I don't blame him for taking time away. Like, if you're not mentally there, take time away. You're more of a harm to the team, that, you know, in that state than being away from them. But at least talk to your talk to your team, talk communicate with your organization, let them know what's going on. Because you can't have your head coach and Steve Nash come out and say, I don't really know what's going on with Kyrie. You know, that's just not a good look for your organization, especially when you have championship aspirations like the Nets do. So yeah, I'm under on that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's pretty much our point. You know, like nobody's being uh you know like Everyone's sympathetic with Kyrie's situation, right? Like, you know, and and this was a large part in due to, like, guys like DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love with their, you know, their mental health, um, speaking out for mental health and whatnot. Um, you know, nobody's, like, bashing Kyrie for the need to, you know, take care of himself and, you know, take time off from, obviously, you know, him dealing with whatever stresses that he's dealing with. Nobody's bashing him for that. But, you know, there's a situation, like, in this situation, there's a way to handle it. Um, and clearly, you know, he 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 just didn't handle it properly. And, and like, with Kyrie and his career, too, it's like, you know, you want to do your own thing. We get that, and that's cool. But at the end of the day, you are signed to a contract. You have an obligation yep. to do. You have a job to do. If you don't really want to do it, then, you know, Hey man, do do what you want to do. You know nobody's bashing you for doing what you want to do. But at the same time, you do have a contractual obligation, and you gotta you know fulfill your obligations as a professional. Overall, you know Kyrie is his own guy. Um, you know he's gonna do what he's gonna do. But you know, like it's a very like weird situation all around when it comes to Kyrie Irving. I think weird dude. Yeah. Um, so moving on, are you up or under on the Cleveland Cavaliers reportedly are going to either trade away or completely waive Kevin Porter Jr. after his recent outburst in the Cleveland locker room? And just to give a little bit more context, so basically after the, the James Harden trade, Torian Prince 
was actually given Kevin Porter Jr.'s locker and he was not happy. And apparently he threw, um, he created a whole commotion, even threw some food, which I don't know why that's a thing in the Cleveland organization to throw some food around. I don't know. Shout like, Jared like, Smith. Like, like, what, like what, why are you wait, why are you punishing the food? What did the food do? That's, I mean, that's, that's just a whole different different element to that. But yes, so, but Kobe Altman's like, look, and yeah, David, David Blatt was, uh, was like, yeah. David Blatt? No, not David Blatt. Uh, I keep forgetting the Cavs owner. Uh, it'll come to me in a sec, in, in a little bit. Uh, Dan Gilbert. There we go. Dan Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. so Dan Gilbert. Uh, we're, ba- we're basically like, we're done. You, we're getting rid of this guy. So why are you up and under on the Kevin Porter Jr. situation? I mean, I'm under from it. For uh, I'm under on his perspective. I'm up um, for the Cavs perspective. Um, also, just to you know, throwing another apparent detail of the situation. Apparently, he compared his situation to, like, modern-day slavery, which, uh, what? you know, I think that's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> to say the least. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Absolutely but, stretch. um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of a not a great situation because of the fact that Kevin Porter Jr., he was projected to be a top 10, top 15 pick, um, if people remember, coming off USC. The reason why he dropped all the way down to the 30th overall pick was because of the fact that he already had, you know, a bunch of uh, situations in his college career, which I'm not even going to bother to touch upon because those are separate incidents that happened before. But the point is he had a number of incidents that had already happened in his college career. And then obviously this season he hasn't played yet because of the the fact that, you know, the team said he was dealing with personal issues, whatever that means. Um... So clearly, you know, he has a lot on his plate. You know, nobody's making fun of that. But, you know, this kind of was the issue with him coming out of college. And I think Cleveland took a chance on him. Clearly, before the season started, um, they said it wasn't working. I think the situation was just to help him get out of there, I would say. And, uh, you know, from Cleveland's perspective, hey, man, they took a chance on him. They tried to help him out. Clearly, it didn't, it didn't work out. So, you know, you got to move on from that. Yeah, man. I just, I think even if you're a you know, 19-year-old or 20-year-old coming into the league, there's still a level of professionalism that you need to be able to showcase and display on and off the court. And I think that like, no matter where you're from, that's just basic human decency that, you know, you, you can't overreact to these situations. And I think it's definitely a maturity thing. Um, not everybody has that, that maturity coming in. I think it has to be developed, but I think when you're in a profession, professional environment, when you're making, uh, millions of dollars, there is an expectation that comes with that. And if you can't live up to those standards, then maybe you shouldn't be in this profession. So I don't blame the Cleveland Cavaliers at all, um, for, for, for making this decision because he's more of a detriment to your organization than, than a, a positive so you might as well let him go, go let him go and cut bait with him while you still you know while you can. As far as him and his future, maybe another team will take a chance on him. But this is a very bad look for a young player at the beginning stages of his career. So wish him luck, man. Hopefully he sorts out his issues, but not a great look. Yeah. Um. Next up, some unfortunate news as well. Um. The Portland Trailblazers, uh, CJ McCollum, is out with four weeks, uh, out four weeks with a fractured foot, and their center Yusuf Nurkic is also out for two months after his wrist surgery. So, are you up or under on that? Yeah, and once again, we're not up or under on the injuries. Obviously, injuries suck for every single player, but it's the impact on their team. And for me personally, being someone who is following Portland and very and very much rooting for them, I'm heavily under on this man. This just sucks. You know, it happens to Portland every single year, man. They have a good team. They can't catch a break. They can't catch a break, man. Like they have they ha- this year they had a good start. They were a good team, a competitive team. Like they, they looked a lot better than they did last year, and then now you're out with your two your second and third best player for two months. Like, that sucks, man. So Dame is gonna have to put the team right back on his sho- on on his back again, like he's been doing for his career and Try to stay afloat while while his teammates recover, man. And yeah, it sucks. 
that stuff. Yeah, now you're going to have to ask pretty much probably like what Carmelo Anthony um, to start trying to get to at least like 20 points a game, which kind of is a tough ask for him at this stage in his career. What are you talking about? Um, no, can <laughs> I mean, you can shoot, but you he'll know, get you 20 points. You just career. won't do it efficiently. <laughs> you'll, yeah, just, you'll, just, yeah. you'll just jack up That's every time you'll see. Probably. Um, but yeah, and then you're going to ask Ennis Cantor most likely to start in goal. Which I mean, oh, obviously, Harry Giles. Can't draw f- I mean, they have. I mean, Harry Giles hasn't even barely played the season, which I've been surprised about. But you know, given the fact that Yusuf Nurkic and Ennis Cantor were ahead of him on the depth chart, I kind of understood Terry Stotts' decision. But um, yeah, Ennis Cantor is gonna have to play big minutes now, and we know Ennis Cantor is a great offensive center. <laughs> but um, if you're giving up double the amount of points on the defensive end, you're not gonna win many games with him in the lineup. Yeah, man. It just sucks for Portland. Uh, moving on, are you up on on Karis Levert, uh, being out with a kidney mass, uh, a kidney mass being found on the MRI actually, on on his trade, uh, into the Pacers and Miles Turner being day to day with a fractured hand. Um. Yeah, I'm definitely under on it, man. Um. These well, for Miles Turner, this is you know, he's one of the most important reasons as to why Indiana's had this much success so far. Obviously, he's playing defense at a historic rate, you know, averaging crazy amount of blocks, um, you know, doing so much for that team on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, his floor, uh, his floor stretching capabilities, definitely helping the team out and helping uh, DeMontis bonus out. So I'm definitely under on his, uh, on his part. But then obviously, um, you know, losing Kier Silver also hurts because of the fact that he was the main piece for you in the James Harden deal. And he was the main guy that you're getting back for a star in Victor Oladipo. And you're hoping, you know, Kier Silver can develop into a star for you. So for him to, you know, miss a, you know, X amount of time, hopefully not the whole season. But we never know what these kind of stuff, right? And uh, apparently they said they're hoping it's not cancerous or anything. So, you know, prayers up for him and whatnot. But, um, you know, you never want to see anything like this happen to a person. Um, and it just hurts even more from the Indiana Pacers point of view for two guys who were, you know, one guy who was contributing greatly to your success and another guy who was expected to contribute greatly to your success. Yeah, I think especially for, you know, for, for Karis LeVert, you know, being able to like he said it himself, like that trade was somewhat of a blessing in disguise because of the fact that he might, they might not have even discovered this issue if he didn't have to take this MRI for the, for the health for the health protocols, you know, for a trade. So it was definitely good that they were able to find out about this sooner. But again, it sucks for the Pacers, just like it sucks for the Blazers that you're losing guys that are contributing for you on a consistent basis and. The, they're gonna have to make do. Obviously, like they have Sabonis and Brogdon, but now you're losing Oladipo. They're gonna have to make it work, man. But we'll see what happens in Indiana moving forward. Yeah. Finally, um, are you up or under on the Toronto Raptors today waving center Alex Len? Now, Alex Len obviously was not in the lineup for the past three games due to the health and safety protocol. So, are you up or under on the Toronto Raptors waving him? Look, to be honest with you, man. I'm I am up on it. Although I don't like being up on players losing their jobs, obviously. But in this case, it just didn't work for, with the Raptors and Alex Land. Man, like he just was basically unplayable. You know, just like Aaron Baines, it was absolutely a disappointment seeing these guys. But again, like we meant, we've been mentioning about Alex Land. We didn't really have a ton of expectations for this guy to come in and be a rotational piece. So. It doesn't surprise me that he got waived, and I think the Raptors can utilize that roster spot on a player that can make a bigger impact on their team. So, um, I'm up on it from the Raptors' perspective, man. Yeah, and definitely, um, you know, them waiving uh, Alex Lenz's contract as opposed to Aaron Baines' contract, it's a lot easier to eat a two million dollar salary compared to what, what's seven. Aaron Baines getting paid nine, nine, seven, seven million dollars. So yeah, it's, it was a lot easier for them to eat up. Alex Lenz's salary compared to Aaron Baines' salary, especially the fact that you can probably, you can hopefully get something in return for Aaron Baines, whereas for Alex Lenz, you're probably not going to get anything anyways. Maybe, maybe a draft <laughs> no pick if you're lucky. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, no offense to Alex Lenz, but yeah, it, it wasn't working for the it Raptors. It wasn't a good fit. Um, it was, it, it, it's definitely a good move by the Raptors, to be honest. Yeah. 
And with that, man, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, basically wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up, letter N, under podcast, facebook.com slash up and under podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or a reaction to news like the James Harden trade as they occur. Uh, also check out our website upandunderpodcast.com it's our central hub for the show it's also a place where you can find blog posts about every single episode so if you don't have time to, to listen to the full episode you can read about it on our website so definitely check it out if you haven't done so man and yeah man this crazy season's getting even crazier and look at this we're all we're already back doing this thing remotely so yeah shit's getting weirder man but uh yeah i mean the, the season's it's definitely an interesting one but we're gonna have to keep seeing what happens but we'll see you guys with that we'll see you guys on the next one take it easy easy <laughs>